on today's I Didn't Say That, we talk about 9-11 through the lens of how some new lawmakers view that day. Uh, we talk about uh, some a nice win for the Trump administration today. Uh, then we get into what was the story of the day, uh, which is Donald Trump and Melania uh, declaring war on vaping. Uh, finally, we're going to finish up with 2020 update, uh, some true unhinged liberalism coming from the pages of The New Yorker, and then your Trump tweet of the day. So without further ado, let's go. how to zone that out quietly yeah yeah you do the like the little taper thing yeah yeah no doubt uh welcome to i didn't say that uh well i guess you'll probably be listening to this on thursday september 12th but it's wednesday september 11th um obviously most of the news of the day has been looking back i don't have a particular interest in doing that you know um i think people of our generation we know where we were and that's that um, which I think leads us to something that I thought about today while flipping through the garbage pit known as Twitter. And it, um, you know, obviously a lot of people today were bringing back, well, it started with the gentleman at the, uh, 9-11 ceremony in New York who was wearing the Some People Did Something shirt and called out Rep. Ilhan Omar directly for uh, when she made those remarks um, a couple years ago in defending care and saying that, you know, care realized, you know, that, you know, we shouldn't have to face or face abuse or fake racism or whatever just because some people did something. Uh, Obviously downplaying the impact that the September 11th attacks had on this country. (laughs) Um, that was a big scandal. And then it led to AOC defending her the next day. The New York Post put pictures of the, the burning towers on the front and with the, some people did something and, and the, you know, she had the body count on there. And it was a, it was a stark reminder of, of what took place that day. And this was all happening back in May. When AOC came out and defended Ilhan, basically saying the New York Post was inciting violence against progressive women of color, um, and that video was these, you know, these things were making the rounds today, obviously, in conservative Twitter. And it got me to thinking that, you know, both, both, both Ilhan Omar and ALC are, are of our generation. Um, you know, they're millennials. They were alive. Their memories, they, they have full memories of that day. I think ALC would have been 12 or 13 at the time. Um, I know I was, I was 13, so maybe she would have been 11. 11 yeah. yeah, she may have been 11. She's two years younger than me. Um, but what I thought about more and more flipping through social media was, you know, there's a whole generation of kids who are coming up behind us who never experienced that day and their knowledge of the day is going to be wholly dependent on one, maybe, maybe what they see in a movie, maybe what they talk to their parents about. Um, and then it's going to be what they learn in school. And I thought AOC's comments were perfectly illustrated the worst fear that we have that we are going to forget what happened that day and that liberal academics who control the vast majority of the educational system in America are going to turn 9-11 
from a day where we were attacked by Islamic terrorists. And they killed 3,000 people in our country because they hijacked planes and dive-bombed them into buildings. That that fact is going to step aside to, you know, there was an Islamic, Islamophobia in the United States that we needed to combat then. You know, Muslims lived in fear. The real victims, as, as, as AOC pointed out, you know, the New York Post, the real thing that we need to take away from that New York Post cover isn't what happened that day. It's what AOC called an attack, a call to, a, a call to violence against progressive women of color. This is inciting violence. Um, and I think that that's the, I think this is something that we need to be vigilant as a country going forward about, that we need to, we need to really, you know, people always say the left has won the culture war, they're winning the culture war. You know, this is one war we cannot lose. We cannot have this day get turned into some sort of social justice warrior, kumbaya, you know, hippie dance circle um that this this needs to be day you know remembered solemnly um and i know there are people out there who are going to be like you know that's a little too far for me there's no way that they wouldn't already be doing this well it, it took me no more than 10 seconds actually i wish i had the actual google search time you know like 1.8 seconds. Remember when Google came, first came out and that was so cool? You're like, oh, I found my result in, you know, 0.75 I seconds. I think they might still put it down there. Um, but, um, but I go to the Los Angeles Times. Now, this is September 15th. Septem- uh, September 1st, 2015. Sorry. So four years ago. A student at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, not some rinky-dink school, a very well-known, very good school. UNC Chapel Hill raised concerns about the school's literature of the 9-11 seminar course, claiming the required readings for class are sympathetic towards terrorism. The class taught by UNC Associate Professor Neil Ahuja, Ahuja A-H-U-J-A, Requires students to read books including Mohsin Hamid's novel, The Reluctant Fundamentalist, Philip Metris's poetry collection, Sand Opera, and Art Spiegelman's graphic memoir, In the Shadow of No Towers. Dent claimed the materials in the course syllabus present terrorists in a sympathetic light and American political leaders as greedy, war-hungry, and corrupt. The readings mostly focus on justifying the actions of terrorists, painting them as fighting against an American regime or mistaken idealists or good people just trying to do what they deem right. None of the readings assigned in the freshman seminar present the September 11th attacks from the perspectives of those who died or from American families who lost loved ones. You know, it quotes some students. Oh, I enjoyed it. I didn't agree with the professor all the time. It sounds like the professor's a real liberal nut job, um, and definitely sympathetic to the people who were uh, who perpetrated the uh, the terrorism on on September 11th. Um, you know, 
This is great. This is killer. I'm just going to leave you with this quote before we move on here. Jim Gregory, a spokesman for the university, defended the class, noting that's not a required course. The university isn't forcing a set of beliefs on students. I bet you, I, let's see how long it takes to see that the UN's, UNC Chapel Hill Trump supporters. Also, I love when they say it's not required because I will bet you it's not technically required, but it's probably one of 10 classes that will fit a requirement. So kind of required. This isn't even fair. This is from Vanity Fair. November 29th, 2018, the college Republicans at University of North Carolina Chapel Hill were having a cookout when they advertised on their Facebook page with a picture of Ronald Reagan grilling hot dogs. It was a sweltering evening in August, a week after protesters toppled the bronze statue of a Confederate soldier on their campus known as Silent Sam, and a month before Christine Blasey Ford testified to the Senate Judiciary Committee. There were about 60 students gathered in out of the way courtyard off red brick connor hall all of them white and most of them conspicuously polite boys the girls about a dozen looked like college girls everywhere oh no how dare you they're white supremacist racist misogynistic and we have internalized misogyny said cammy mcmahon 19 college republican secretary wore a gop t-shirt name calling is the first place they go So it looks like the kids at UNC Chapel Hill and the college Republicans aren't really having a fun time. It's really hard to date here. Liberal guys match with me all on Twitter, t- t- Tinder because they like to argue. <laughs> fun. <laughs> oh, gosh. So it looks like being a Republican is like being part of Fight Club. It always is, though. I'm sure it's pretty, it's pretty bad now. It wasn't too friendly when we were in college, and it was... You don't talk about being a conservative. Sounds like the UNC Chapel Hill is a really welcoming place for Trump supporters. Oh, yeah. It sounds great. That sounds great. Wow. We don't force, a, we don't, we don't, we don't force an ideology on anyone, but, but we make sure the campus is so hostile that you can't even say you're conservative. So shout out UNC Chapel Hill. Hiring a terrorist sympathizer to to run some college classes for them, but that's what I'm talking about here. I think that's the real worry going forward. I think you know AOC. I think we know where Ilhan Omar's loyalties lie. Same with Rashid Tlaib and AOC's as well, for that matter. Um, but I think the real worry going worry worry going forward is what is how generations moving forward are going to be learning about this day. Um, and so far, the universities are stepping up to the plate and proving, once again, they are who we thought they were. <laughs> um, you know, I think this is also a good time to kind of, well, a slight pivot um, in terms of policies that are getting done right now. Um, you know, it just popped up today, uh, this is a Breitbart story, is that there are at least 6 million illegal aliens who arrived in the United States the same way seven of the 9-11 Islamic terrorist hijackers came to the country by overstaying a visa. Um, Now, a number of them were, uh, one of them, Mohammed Atta, is one of the more well-known of the terrorists, just because of how evil-looking he is. Um, 
But these guys, as of March, there were more than 415,000 illegal aliens in the U.S. who had overstayed their visas. This includes more than 300,000 illegal aliens who arrived in the U.S. from countries that are not part of the visa waiver program, which allows certain nationals to come to the country for up to 90 days without obtaining a visa. Um, so the point being is that this loophole where illegal immigrants become illegal aliens after overstaying their visa, um, this loophole still exists. This is a, when we talk about the lowest hanging fruit, getting rid of them, this is, this is what we got to If you overstay your visa, you've, you've got to go. You've got to go back immediately. We can't run into the situation again. Um, but I think, this takes us, I think this takes us to a nice point to talk about something that was a Trump victory today, which I referenced in the opening, which is going to be the Supreme Court siding with the Trump administration on, um, on the, the limits of asylum. And uh, the, the, the short Cliff Notes version of it is the Supreme Court is allowing nationwide enforcement of a Trump administration rule that prevents most Central American immigrants from seeking asylum in the United States. Basically what it says, if you come here and you didn't claim asylum in any of the countries that you passed through before getting here to the United States, you can't just claim asylum. You don't just get to come here. You haven't gone through the proper channels. Now, first of all, just crossing the border and claiming asylum, you can't do that right now. You have to go to a port of entry. That's how you claim asylum. That's the legal way to claim asylum. Okay? And the Trump administration clearly pointed it out. If you're not going everywhere around the world trying to claim asylum, if, you just, if you're from Mexico and you come to the United States and claim asylum, we'll, we'll listen to the case. Or, you know, from Cuba or wherever. What if you're from Honduras, El Salvador, there are other countries Nicaragua? Is it because those countries are also terrible? <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think it would fit to flee from Mexico. They're not in a mm-hmm. war. They're not murdering people. Yep. Being poor is not <laughs> a valid excuse for asylum. Like... If you want to leave there, fine, but you have to go through the proper channels and you have to put an application and you have to get in line behind everybody else who wants to come in. Exactly. And that's the most frustrating thing about this is that there's a legal way to come here. There's a legal way to come to the United States. And what she said was, hmm, that's not for me. Right. I want to know all these liberals. Have you ever been standing in line and then someone cuts you, cuts in front of you? What do you... Are all these liberals just like, yeah, cool, man, whatever. I've only been standing here for an hour, but it's cool if you just swipe right in now. No, I bet they're pissed as hell, and they're like, you no, think, get to the back of the you line. Think, you think Bill, get de Blas- to the back of you line. Think Bill de Blasio, Mr. New York, might say something? About you think, what? You think Andrew Cuomo or the Chris Cuomo might, might say something about someone cutting in line in front of them? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do, immediately. Beto's enough of a cuck where I don't know if he would. Yeah, it depends on the circumstance. I feel like maybe by the, the 12th person, he'd be like, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. Bernie okay. would. Bernie would call you out. When he told the baby to shut up last week. <laughs> hey, could you keep that down over there? That was fantastic. That thing. Yeah, could you keep that down over there? He did that. He was in uh, He was in New Hampshire. Um, so nice, nice win. Nice win for Trump. So it looks like the, you know, there, there's always work that's got to be done on this immigration issue. Cleaning up people who overstay their visas is definitely a place that we got to continue. And it's great on Breitbart um, to point that out, um, that that loophole is still there. Um, but I think, you know, other than that SCOTUS ruling and, you know, remembering 9-11, I think the, the, the big news of the day is uh, 
President Trump's war on vaping. All right, let's get into it. I think... So first of all, what's the backstory? Yeah, let's do the let's do the backstory. So obviously anyone who has been following any level of news lately has been seeing that there've not just not just people dying, it's right now it's the number of people who have died is 6. Uh, but there have been 450 cases of severe lung disease ranging from people that just, you know, have a little cough or something like that to people who need some serious serious drugs to to help them out i mean they're in they're in some some pretty bad places um and you know and there are other people who may have ex- been experiencing symptoms that um that uh, didn't they didn't go to the hospital didn't get reported um now of these people um they obviously asked like where'd you get this stuff yada 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 so 83 percent of the patients so they, there was a study done in Illinois and Wisconsin, and it found that 83% of patients admitted to using black market products. So homebrew vape Wait, cartridges. why are people using homemade vaping cartridges when they're like $20 at any store? It's a great question, Kate. I don't okay, understand. Maybe you can make them for cheaper. You can, I'm sure you could probably make, if you're making them in bulk, you could make them for cheaper, as with anything. There's nothing that you buy at a store that if you were able to produce at scale, you couldn't produce for cheaper at scale. But we're not going to go out and, you know, it's it's cheaper to make a table than it is to buy one. It's just what your time is worth. Among those who were extensively interviewed, 80% admitted to using THC oil products. So not only is it homemade vape cartridges and vape oils, but it's homemade marijuana laced vape cartridges <laughs> off right? to a great start so i mean look i mean what is this this is 16 and 17 year old kids who want to get high but don't want to smell like they're getting high right that's what this is and like can't go into a dispensary and get them or you know don't have connections or whatever or you know this is just the new cool thing to do if my friend makes it great that's all. No story has ever gone wrong with that. Um, so it goes into all of these, these, you know, what could be causing them. You know, there's there's a vitamin E oil that has been linked to some of the lung patients. Um, you know, there's, um, you know, other lipid-containing substances enter the lungs and irritate it. But <clears throat> anyways, it looks like for the most part, it's kids who have gotten their hands, who, you know, a buddy of a buddy makes these cartridges. I can get them to you for, you know, half the price of what they are at the store, or you're underage, you can't get them at the store. You got to go through this, and kids are getting sick. Um, you know, this also gets into the whole jewel thing, is jewel marketing to kids. Yeah, cigarette companies have been marketing to kids forever. I mean, how are you going to get your new customers, right? <laughs> they make a Especially product when they're all dying. They make a product that kills you. You need to get new customers. They're going to market to everyone. Um, so, anyways, so Trump uh, came out and he was doing a little like press gaggle, and uh, they are looking to remove. So, the Food and Drug Administration is 
currently finalizing its guidance to remove all non-tobacco flavors of e-cigarettes, including mint and menthol, from the market within 30 days. Um, so that's what it is. And these are obviously the popular flavors, you know, the mango, the fruity pebbles, whatever it is. Um, and Katie and I were talking about it. Now, personally, do I think that this is something that the president should be concerning himself with right now? No, 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 this is. First off, I guess let's just point out that. Under no circumstances is this like addressing the issue, right? This is this is just like a feel. This is like like most laws. It's just feel goodery. Yeah. Because these kids are buying black market products. Now, what you're going to do is you're going to flood people who had previously not been buying black market products to go and seek out black market vape cartridges because that's the only way they're going to be able to get the fun flavors that they enjoy instead of you know just Virginia tobacco. Yeah, how is this going to solve the black, the black market issue? It's not. So, it's not. It's 100% not. It's going to exacerbate the problem. We know we know what's going to happen here. You're taking a previously legal product and making it illegal. And not just not just a previously legal product, but one of the most commonly used drugs in the world, nicotine. This is just a different delivery method for nicotine. That's all this is. Instead of igniting a plant that has a whole bunch of additives in it, you're igniting a liquid that has none of the bad chemicals that are found in cigarette smoke, but it does have the nicotine, which there have been studies to show that nicotine does have health benefits on its own. Okay. There are. It's not, the, it's not a carcinogen. It's not carcinogenic. But nicotine. I, I think what we were debating was when does the government, when, if ever, should the government step in and do something? And my point was that they should step in when it endangers the lives of other people. For example, you are free to get drunk. However, it is illegal to get drunk and get into your car because you could kill someone else through no fault of their own. Mm -hmm. So this doesn't really fit that bill. How does vaping affect anybody else but yourself? No, you're right. Um, and you can even argue that, you know, I, I, I forget what it is, but I think it's something like, you know, 80% of vapors are people who switched over from cigarettes, if not higher, number one. And number two, I guess there have been some pretty really good success stories about people who have switched over to vaping and have never touched a cigarette again. There have been studies that show that vaping, while not... A safe alternative is a less dangerous alternative than smoking cigarettes. So you can make the case that, hey, if you're using this to wean yourself off cigarettes or to get off cigarettes completely, there's actually a public health case to be made for these products. I mean, I will say I don't personally like vaping, and uh, Max does it, though apparently just is quitting now, which is amazing. Um, newsflash. Uh, One weekend. But, you know, it's up to the person. You know, probably what's more dangerous on the market that we're not outlawing is sugar. Sugar is basically poison. And we allow it basically in literally everything. Go to your fridge, check your mayonnaise bo bottle. Is sugar an ingredient? 
Yeah, it is. Why? Unknown. And it's littered everywhere. Candy, blah, blah, blah. And that's not illegal and that's not going to be illegal anytime. And what's that going to do if you eat a ton of sugar, kill you earlier, also make you fat, have lots of other health issues, blah, blah, blah. But that's to yourself. That's your own issue. You want to go, as Ron Swanson would say, eat eight steaks and smoke a cigar. That's on you. I'm free to do that because I'm an American. So fine. You want to jewel? It's no skin off me. Like, go for it. But you want to drink and get in a car? No. No. I don't agree with that. No. But then, like, you know, this is one of those things. This is one of those things that leads to that philosophical question of, like, where 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 is the line? Like the line heroin, is when it harms heroin, other people. So should using you can use heroin in the privacy of your own home. You'd have heroin be legal. You would have cocaine be legal. Well, what is the reasoning for making it illegal? That it's highly addictive and that like you said, it doesn't harm people directly, but it harms society as a whole. That you would just have people whacked out all day. I mean, it's not a great case, but I think the case you could potentially make is that you're protecting people who don't know any better. I mean, the king of all cases is alcohol. There's no more dangerous drug in America than alcohol. Yeah, and we made it illegal during Prohibition. It worked out really well. It worked out extraordinarily well. Um, You know, for, for me, I don't understand why the government is getting involved with this. I think an age limit is perfectly fine. 18, you get boom, you get you get bing, you get boom, or whatever Joe Biden said. <laughs> you I, get bing, you get bang. It's 18. It's not good. It's not, it's not good for you. What do you say to the people who say, um, why are you on this and not even bothering to pass background checks for guns? Is this just a diversion tactic? I think, I, I mean, that's the joke the liberals have been doing all day. You know, okay, now do this for AR-15s. Or, so quick, someone make a mango flavor for AR-15 so we can get that banned. <laughs> Stuff like that. Um, <laughs> I thought the mango-flavored AR-15 one was pretty funny. Um, I think they have a point. Yeah. I think the point that they're making is that they're happy with seeing the Second Amendment completely go away because you can't make a case to ban a rifle like an AR-15 when rifles account for less than, they account for like one-tenth of one percent of gun murders in this country. It also like the vast, vast, vast majority are handguns and the majority are handguns use suicide. crux of the image, of the problem, which is mental health. Like, well, that, yeah. There are millions of law abiding citizens who own like a cadre of guns and have never shot anyone in their life and never will. Like, it's not the gun, it's the head case upstairs. Yeah. And so for me, I don't, I don't think the government needs to get involved. And in... look, if you're not going to outright ban cigarettes, you're not going to outright ban vaping. You know, like there's flavored tobacco that you can get for all kinds of things, like hookah. Hookah, hookah is like one of the worst things that you could do. Hookah's disgusting. Why do you think I always hated it when it's y'all wanted to go do hookah? Ugh. Terrible for you. It's terrible. It's, it's like awful. the equivalent oh. of smoking like six or seven packs of cigarettes. You guys, it's like 
do you the ever, worst thing in the world. Do you world. ever have a moment in your life where you're just like, I wish there was a camera on right now because in a couple of years, someone's going to say this never happened. I cannot believe that he just said that this is terrible because no. he whoa, he used to drag me to this place around the corner from our apartment that had hookah and he was like, it's great, it's fine. I'm like, no, it's disgusting and it's terrible for you. He's like, oh no, it's not terrible for you. It's just water. First of all, no, 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 yeah, no. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. I did not say that. <laughs> I did not say that. Okay, first of all, first of all, that place around the corner was a hookah bar. We weren't using the hookah, okay? This was secondhand. Which is terrible for you. No, it's not. The actual, what those people are doing is bad for you. I'm not a big believer that secondhand smoke is that bad for you. I don't think secondhand hookah is bad for you. So, so you misrepresented my, you misrepresented, I didn't say that. You also liked that place because it had all the fruity drinks that you like. You just didn't like the hookah, but you put up with it because it had the fruity drinks that you like. And it was kind of similar to that place that we used to go all the time to when we lived in New York. Except in New York, they didn't have the stupid hookah. And I would actually say the drinks in New York were not as good. But we digress. The drinks in New York were not as good. No, I actually didn't really like that place that much. It was just convenient to our work. That's true. That's <laughs> That's true. That's, that's fair. I actually we won't out it. I, it I probably grew, doesn't exist anymore. You know, you go back to New York and to, like half the places you used to go to are gone. I that's weird. I grew to like the place. All right. Well, terrific. Anyways, um, so that's what we were talking about there. I, I I just don't. I just see this as a part of the reason is like, oh, this is a gateway thing for for kids that are going to smoke cigarettes. There's like literally no better way to get kids hooked on cigarettes if you're like the only flavor of this product that you enjoy tastes like cigarettes <laughs> that's what they're doing <laughs> um so said, all right let's move on to 2020 we can, we'll 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 move actually this is a great segue to 2020 because sam stein tweeted out earlier that he got a call from yang's campaign manager senior advisor to yang that said tomorrow night on the debate stage andrew yang is going to do something that no candidate has ever done in the history of debates I think Andrew Yang is going to pull out a jewel and rip it on stage. I think he's going to vape on stage. But San Francisco banned it. Like, the liberals don't like it. He's in Houston. Well, they're in Houston tomorrow night. But no, I think all the, ki- but all the kids do it. They ban everything in San Francisco except for crapping on the streets and shooting up drugs. <laughs> you really think that's it? I mean, he already doesn't wear a tie. It's in his- that's what I'm saying. He's going he's gonna to pull out a jewel or he's going to pull out a mod Maybe box he's going to try to crowd gonna- surf like he did at that other thing. Well, he'll be able to crowd surf after he pulls out a jewel and hits it. And he's going he's gonna to pull out a mango flavor pot, pull it in, and hit it and rip it on stage. Eh. I 100% think he is. Okay. That's Max prediction number one. You got any other predictions? Is Beto on the stage? Beto's on the stage. He didn't speak Spanish last time, so maybe he's. He done started that. a Spanish language Twitter oh. account today. Oh my god! I can't believe he hadn't already. God, he's such a panderer. It's, it's just really disgusting. He's he's a disgrace. Um, but tomorrow night we get Biden versus Warren for the first time. That's gonna be fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'm looking to see if Kamala can stop the summer the summer slump. Mm. I, I don't think so either. Will Biden's eye spontaneously turn into a red blob? Probably. Yes. <laughs> Maybe he'll have an eye patch like a pilot. He might forget where he is. He might just pull like a hello Dallas. <laughs> like who know? like who possibly knows what Biden's going to do tonight? Because he's going to, because 
He's already started to take shots. He's going to have some canned things for Elizabeth Warren, and I'm sorry. She's just quicker than him. I think I think They're she, all quicker than him. He's slow as a... Tr- like, come on. It's the first time that everyone's going to be on the stage. Like Yang's having a little bit of... Yang's having a mini moment right now, but it can turn... To, I just think of the 2008 and the 2012 Republican primaries, where there were times where Rick Perry was ahead and Ben Carson was ahead and Herman Cain had his 999 moment, you know? And, you know, there was, and Rick Santorum and Newt Gingrich, there was this revolving door at the top. And we've had Biden in the lead pretty much the entire time. At some point, this is going to turn into silly season. It is silly. Have you listened to these people? Ha ha ha. I'm talking, I'm talking about this is, this is going to be, this could, this is going to turn into silly season at some point. All I need is for Biden to wobble. If Biden wobbles tomorrow night, this thing is going to be wide open. What if he just collapses on stage? What? What? I, the man is a ticking time bomb. We He's thought Hillary... Com- spontaneously combusting out of his eye. We thought Hillary was. Oh, they jacked her full of, like, drugs or something, like you do for NFL players to get them out there. <laughs> Just put some of that in. Yeah, I can play with a broken arm. It's yeah, it's deep. fine. Um, no, I'm excited for Yang. Um, Mayor Pete has just been like, just, oh, he took yeah. a plane with Klobuchar. Woo. Uh, what is she doing on stage? What is she doing? What on is stage? she doing? I don't understand. Like I said, a couple Why of is she on there ago, in Tulsi's I don't not. understand. There are Tulsi signs all around us and where we live. Well, if you look at these early state polls, look who's, who, look who bumps up into like the top eight when it comes to the early state polling. It's always Tulsi, it's always Yang, and it's Tom Steyer now. Who do you think legit is in Klobuchar's like group? Who like who are these people? Who are these personas? Are these like old white women? Like who likes her? It's moderate Democrat women who find Joe Biden sniffing is makes them uncomfortable. That's the only thing that I can think about. It's just women. Like who are the moderate Democrats out there who are like Joe Biden's a little Done. You really think Klobuchar is moderate? Didn't she raise her hand to give money? To they illegals? all did. They all did. Yeah, so none of them are moderate. They're all pandering to the left. I think she's. I think. I think she does it less so. I think she's already running a general election campaign. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't. I don't get it. I don't get it either. I don't get it either. I, but I don't even know who Joe's supporters are. She even are. has less. She even has. I. It's name. It's all name recognition. It's because not enough people. People aren't following this day in and day out. Well, there's no enthusiasm. No one cares. No enthusiasm that came out this week. Enthusiasm for Democrats is already back down below. You know, it's pre 2018 levels. Yeah, there's no enthusiasm for no this enthusiasm. group of people. All right. We do have some polls to go over. Okay. Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warren are tied. Tied in what poll? Just like Economist. nationwide or nationwide. on a particular state? Nationwide. Biden 26, Warren 26, Sanders 16, and then everyone else is oh. six and under. Election news that we didn't even cover that no one seems to be covering. The special election in North Carolina. We won. Yeah. Yeah, we Where's won. North party? Carolina 3 and North Carolina 9. We should crack open a beer for them. It was actually a loss. It was actually a loss? Yeah. How do you figure? Because uh, 
didn't win by a large didn't enough win margin. by as uh, 12 more than 12 points trump's margin of victory in north carolina nine was was 12 points and um yo dude won by two you can't spin that that's why no one's talking about it because I they were, they ta- all I, queued it up as this like referendum on Trump and how he's not going to win in North Carolina, and then he wins, and they're just like, well, maybe if we just don't talk about it, everyone will forget that we said that this was a referendum, and we were wrong, or we were right, and what they're right about is that Trump is going to knock it out of the park next year during the election. I'm. This guy, McCready, had been running for, Dan McCready had been running for 27 months. And this guy, Dan Bishop, comes in, gets Trump to come into town, and ekes it out at the end. Like, I'm just, I'm just not, I'm not all that worried about it. The same thing is going to happen. People are going to go into the, into the voting booth, and they are going to go, you want to know what? America feels safe. My wallet's never been better. My retirement's never looked better. You know, four years on, yeah, I think some of the things Donald Trump does are not that great. I wish he'd move on from things, but gosh, things are good for my family, and I think they're going to vote for Trump, and I think it's 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 going to be it's going to be twenty sixteen all over again, especially if it's like Biden, especially if people are like, no, 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 no. No, Biden's Biden's gonna look so slow, so jebby in front of in front of Trump. It's gonna be a disaster. Um, I've got to do this reading. I just have to highlight this. I'm gonna do this quick. It was a lot funnier when I first read it. <laughs> well, then hopefully it'll be funny for our audience. I think it's funny. Okay, so what can we preface what it is? Yeah, so uh, it's an article. It's from... it's well, it's an op-ed piece. Okay, it's a stream of it's a cultural comment. The New Yorker calls it a cultural comment. It's by, in the New Yorker. In the New Yorker, and by one Jonathan Franzen. If you don't know who Jonathan Franzen is, he is a very well-known, award-winning author of. Some solid books. Some corrections. Freedom. They're good. He's a good writer. He's obviously a flaming liberal. I don't think I need to tell you that much. But anyways. What? September 8th, 2019. Jonathan Franzen. What if we stopped pretending? Question mark. The climate apocalypse is coming. To prepare for it, we need to admit that we can't prevent it. This is an up. This is going to be an uplifting nine pages. Well, it's like more. Like eight. There is infinite hope. Kafka tells us, only not for us. I can just stop reading right there. Um. You know, this is like you can already tell this is going to be like a bad college philosophy paper. Um. But this is great. Today, the scientific evidence verges on irrefutable. If you're younger than 60, you have a good chance of witnessing the radical destabilization of life on Earth. 
massive crop failures, apocalyptic fires, imploding economies, epic flooding, hundreds of millions of refugees fleeing regions made uninhabitable by extreme heat or permanent drought. If you're under 30, you're all but guaranteed to witness it. If you care about the planet and about the people and animals who live on it, there are two ways to think about this. You can keep on hoping that catastrophe is preventable and feel more, ever more frustrated or enraged by the world's inaction, or you can accept that disaster's coming and begin to rethink what it means to have hope. This guy's got to be a blast at barbecues. <laughs> so on... Uh, on page two, we first get our, our first attack at the Republican Party. The evil of the Republican Party's position on climate science is well known, but denial is entrenched in progressive politics, too. The Green New Deal, the blueprint for some of the most substantial proposals put forth on the issue, is still framed as our last chance to avert catastrophe and save the planet by way of gargantuan renewable energy products. Unlike the political right, the left prides itself on listening to climate scientists who do indeed allow that catastrophe is theoretically avertable. The stress falls on the word theoretically. And he goes on for a couple of pages of just your standard, you know. Talking points. We're all going to die. And it comes to the cultural, what the prescription is. He needs more cowbell. To stay within, so he talks about the two degree allowance um, a lot, that if the global temperature raises two more degrees, it basically sets off an irreversible chain of events that lead to the destruction of mankind and us beating the crap out of each other with sticks and stones in order to eat our decomposing bodies. That's basically the what's going to happen in 20 years if you continue to drive. Don't worry, there'll be an allowance for the private jet use by the uh, the royal family. Obviously. And Leonardo DiCaprio. So this is the, to stay within that two-degree allowance, a top-down intervention needs to happen not only in every country, but throughout every country. Making New York City a green utopia will not avail if Texans keep pumping oil and driving pickup trucks. Texas's fault. A true man of the people. Overwhelming numbers of human beings, including millions of government-hating Americans, need to accept high taxes and serve and severe curtailment of their familiar lifestyles without revolting. Katie, what do you think Jonathan Franzen's net worth is? Oh, it's got to be millions. Ten million dollars. Estimate. You think he's going to be curtailing his lifestyle? No. Or do you think he's going to be, like, you know... How does he get to his book I warned, tours? I warned everyone about Does this. he bike to all of his work, book tours around the country? I bet he doesn't. I no. bet he flies. Yeah, I bet you he's hung out in AOC's infinity pool. Yeah. They have to set aside nationalism and class and racial resentments. They have to make sacrifices for distant, threatened nations and distant future generations. Every day, instead of thinking out breakfast, they have to think about death. <laughs> Vote Democrat 2020. <laughs> I, I wish Franzen was running. He really just put such a, you know the term happy warrior? Imagine waking up like this guy. Knock on wood if you're with me. 
<laughs> if collection action resulted in just one fewer devastating hurricane, just a few extra years of relative stability, it would be a goal worth pursuing. In fact, it would be worth pursuing even if it had no effect at all. So we need to have top-down government control of everything in our lives, unless you're super rich, um, because uh, we should, you know, just do it, man. Now, see, I, I, I do want to call out something. I bet you most people who claim to have read this stopped reading by this point. But I really enjoyed this part because there's even some reflexive liberalism that even a whack job like Jonathan Franzen doesn't, can't get behind. Every billion dollars spent on high-speed trains, which may or may not be suitable for North America, is a billion not banked for disaster preparedness, reparations to inundated countries, or future humanitarian, humanitarian relief. What? So he's so liberal, he's saying we're already screwed. And by the way, this high-speed rail thing, I'm not sure it's working. We should take this money and hand it off overseas to people and, uh, you know... Hand it off overseas that are probably... Stockpile a bunch of freeze-dried free dried food. Meanwhile, other countries are far worse and, like, hurting the environment if you buy into all this. I mean, China, hello. You can't even breathe there. I didn't see China mentioned throughout oh, Well, this. why would they mention China? I might be wrong, but I don't think I'm wrong. All right. Is there any more to this, or can I... Oh, yeah, 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 okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Don't worry, don't worry. The real highlight's coming here. Um, securing fair elections is climate action. Combating extreme wealth inequality is a climate action. Give me some of your millions. Shutting down the hate machines on social media is a climate action. Instituting humane immigration policy, advocating for racial and gender equality, promoting respect for laws and their enforcement, supporting a free and independent press, ridding the country of assault weapons, these are all meaningful climate action. I guess he's not a fan of nuking the hurricanes. <laughs> and finally, we get to the creme de la creme. This is, this is such elitism at its best. Just elite liberal bubble has never talked to anyone who has ever voted for Donald Trump in his entire life. This is someone who has shut themselves off from the world since November 7th, 2016 because of their... They are not evolved enough to handle what that fact that Trump is president. In Santa Cruz, where I live, there's an Shocking. organization called the Homeless Garden Project. On a small <laughs> working farm at no. the west end of town, it offers no. employment, trading support, and a sense of community to members of the city's homeless population. I'm pretty sure this is indentured servitude but we'll just keep going on it can't solve the problem of homelessness but it's been changing lives one at a time for nearly 30 years supporting itself in part by selling organic produce it contributes more broadly to a revolution in how we think about people in need the land we depend on and the natural world around us in the summer as a member of its csa program I enjoy its kale and strawberries, and in the fall, because the soil is alive and uncontaminated, small migratory birds find sustenance in its furrows. Oh my god. He doesn't... <laughs> I just can't even. 
A project like the Homeless Garden offers me the hope that the future, while undoubtedly worse than the present, might also in some ways be better. Most of all, though, it gives me hope for today. Oh my God. What a Debbie Downer. Life's going to suck. So what we need to do is route up homeless people <laughs> and have them make us and have them grow our organic kale. <laughs> that will teach them Katie. not to give their labor for free. <laughs> Baby, do you have a Trump tweet of the day? I do. So <laughs> uh, what I picked today, it, it, he didn't actually write anything. He just put up a picture that said, Oh, it's a campaign sign. It says Trump 2024. And you know we did it just to troll the liberals who are going to get triggered and freak out that he's going to try to run for a third term, which he's not. Mm-hmm. He's just trolling you. Um, and I just love that. So that's my Trump tweet of the day. Um, and I think uh, that's all we got for today. But follow us. On Twitter tomorrow, because we're going to try to live tweet the debate. Also, we got logo stickers. So if you want one, tweet us at I didn't say that underscore underscore, and we'll send you one. Okay? All right. Until next time. See ya.